Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the China Startup Pulse. I'm Ryan Chukin, your co-host here with Todd Embley. How's howdy, it going, howdy, Todd? howdy. It's going well, it's going well. Thank you for asking. Yeah. Uh, today's guest, a uh, long time, somebody who's been a mentor yes. at, uh, at China Accelerator. From, Forever. From, from, yeah, I mean, back when I was a mentor, not even working here. Uh, so, uh, Steve Machero. Yeah. Uh, what a what a great guy. Uh, co-founder of China NetCloud. That was mm-hmm. uh, China's first cloud services company. Yeah, China's first tri- cloud services company. They are the Internet Cloud Operations for China, which yeah, is just, code for they run the back end of the internet. Yes. And so it was great to talk to Steve because not only is he an American, his co-founder is an American. Yes. They built this company here mm-hmm. in China. 2005. They, a year started. ago raised $9 million. Yeah. from local investors. Yeah. So we had a lot to talk about, obviously. Yeah, that is hard to do. If you guys don't understand why we're so impressed mm-hmm. with this. And they're Raising... up to like what, 150 employees now. Yeah. You know, it was great because what did he mention that he said over the last two, three years, even they're at 150. Over the last three years, they've hired somewhere around six, 700 people. Wow. To give you an idea of like some turnover and some things and stuff like that. You know, a big chunk of it, yes, he said, uh, you know, we're also some interns that they knew would leave, but not a big chunk, but a a, sizable chunk. That's insane. Insane. I mean, unbelievable. That that was really cool. So, yeah, we talk about, you know, the state of the union Mm -hmm. when it comes to tech and and back end and infrastructure and cloud and and all these kind of things. Yeah. We talk about raising money uh, in China. We talk, you know, as foreigners, how did he he raise $9 million as a couple of Americans from local Chinese investors? Yeah. How do you pull that off? Because that's that's unheard of here. And they've been around for forever. And they know everybody about mm. how to be successful. The foreign versus local talent and all uh, the, the all the changes. Because China's changed a lot in the job market and the uh, tech industry. Tremendously. Just finding somebody who can do exactly what you need to do in China. Get that done. Do it right. I mean, that person's price has grown exponentially. Yeah, it's changing all over uh, the world. But in China, I mean, oh my God, things are things are moving fast. So we get a lot of insight on that, and then we kind of wrap up with a great talk about the system and the infrastructure right now that exists in China for these uh, cloud computing operations, where the opportunities are, where companies could still get in, where he thinks uh, are great, great investment opportunities as well. Like, it's, a, it's a really, really great Capstone with the advice about how to, yeah. how to come to China, how to enter China. Exactly. And that so, last, those last ones, I love it. So you definitely exactly. want to listen to the end on this one. Yes, exactly. So without further ado, on with the show. Okay, hi everybody. We're here with Steve, and as usual, we're gonna have Ryan. Why don't you give a little yeah. bit of a quick background on Steve, and then we'll jump right into it. All right. So Steve first came here in 1989 as a tourist. Um, he <laughs> has been living in Japan, going around, and then finally in 2005, he took the leap and went to China, and he started doing consulting, tech consulting at 51.com and a lot of places, mm-hmm. along with Tudo, and then actually in Tudo. In 2007, brought him on as the CTO, first ever foreigner CTO. Really interesting story there. Really? Yeah. Well, we should talk about we that. We should definitely talk about that. But then in 2008, <laughs> he started China NetCloud, which is the internet... It basically runs the internet. It's internet cloud <laughs> operations. Yeah. But, you can um, thank Steve for internet yeah. people. Uh, he's the CEO <laughs> and CTO. They've done an amazing um, job in the last few years. Oh, my gosh, big yes. news. But, Steve, thanks. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, man. Oh, thank you. Okay. So, in your own words, because they're going to be much better than mine, <laughs> can you please explain China Net Cloud? Sure. So, 
I'm not sure we ran the internet, but we run part of it. Sort of, uh, <laughs> they run the internet. I'm our job sure. is really running the back end. So we are yeah. server and infrastructure guys. So mm-hmm. we're way in the way back end in the trenches, building servers and clouds and infrastructure. And we do all the security, performance, backups, all that sort of IT stuff that big internet sites, apps, and so on mm-hmm. need to stay running. So what's it, what kind of customers do you guys have? So everything internet. So anything online. Mm. So a lot of, we don't do traditional IT like IBM guys like that. It's really online, but that includes, you know, websites, e-commerce, apps, SaaS, mobile type stuff, uh, advertising and all that. So mostly Chinese, uh, all kinds of sizes. I mean, think anybody internet is what we do. And then some international. So we're based in China, obviously. So yeah. mostly here in China, but some some big brands, things like that coming mm-hmm. to China. So it's a really attractive option for those that want to play nice. It's not only about uh, playing nice. It's really about, in that case, for their foreign being in China because of uh, you know the ocean and cables and all that kind of stuff, firewalls. Uh, you just yeah. really can't serve the Chinese market from outside. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of big global brands will have a global system serving U.S., Europe, Asia, whatever. But then you need to be in China to serve the Chinese market uh, just for mm-hmm. performance, just can for I, it to work. Can I deep dive into that, sure. uh, pun intended, on the ocean yeah. thing? But um, <laughs> what what do you mean? Like, what specifically? Why why can't somebody? It's the internet. Isn't the internet just like everywhere up in the well, in it the is, air but, but, and, but performance, <laughs> right? And so we're far away from the rest of the world. So especially if you're European, yeah, you know, we are. Mm-hmm. It takes a whole second sometimes for data to get from here to Europe and back, just the one packet. And then okay. if you do, you know, a web website, it could be many, many, many seconds. And so, especially if people want faster, faster, more responsive apps, it just doesn't work very well. And then also, it works okay for a while, and then not. And so, we have cases where Japan is great, works beautiful for a week, and then three, four, five days, just atrocious. And uh, just, why? Technical issues usually, cable problems, undersea cables are just overloaded. You know, Chinese are watching foreign stuff, data back and forth. You know, not very many cables, and they're really expensive. Wow. So nobody wants to, it's like DSL at home, right? right. Nobody wants to buy enough, so could, it's, could it's a big get, issue. Could I ask for some perspective on how much this has grown? Because I know internet in China has had just massive leaps. So let's say from 2008 when you started to where we are now. Uh, I think I saw the other day there's about 800 million users in China. Mm-hmm. And from 2008 or so, that's probably out, probably doubled since then. And that had, wow. then it was doubling every year for a while. What? So now it's kind of flat, you know, as they start to add slowly. Yeah. But it's the world's largest. I mean, that's bigger than the U.S. and Europe combined. Mm-hmm. Uh, so number of users, especially when you add a billion phones in there. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's pretty large. Yeah. So when you're doing internet backend cloud services, <laughs> that growth directly represents... Uh, the amount of opportunity for you and, and what you guys are doing, right? Um, that does. Also, that's part of it, but also just the growth in startups and people providing things. So mm. smartphones, five years ago, six years ago, whatever, uh, when the iPhone first came out, there was very little apps and things on your phone. And so it was mostly you go to websites. And now, of course, there's a million apps. Yeah. And now there's WeChat apps and there's everything else. So it's not only the size of the market, the number of end users, but just the, the huge amount of sort of things available to them and therefore they use it a lot. Right? So they're watching videos and ads and games and you know, apps and chatting and all these things. So it's uh, it's both the sort of bigness of the market, but also its depth. I want to ask a somewhat, it's going to be an extreme, extremely naive question, potentially. With all of, you mentioned all the startups and all kinds of startups, and they're, they're kind of flooding all kinds of things onto the internet. But as we know from China Accelerator and Mox and these things, it's that um, a lot of this companies die and a lot of this mm-hmm. stuff sure. dies. So what I'm picturing is uh, space junk. <laughs> as far as you know, Makes just sense. things that are sitting there that are on the internet that are taking up server spaces that are just kind of running that are just you know everywhere. Is there clutter? Is that getting in the way? Well, you know what I, I mean. I don't think it's in the way. I mean, there's definitely some of that. I mean, reality is when most sizable things die, it all goes away because no one pays the bills anymore. 
Yes. You know, just like if you don't pay rent on your apartment or house or the, factory, it is goes Is there internet country. cleaners that like then say, okay, sweep it into the garbage and delete? Not, not really. Actually, some people try to do the reverse. There's people like the Archive Project that try to store it mm-hmm. and try to record it sort of for yeah. posterity and try to keep snapshots of it because it is gone and you know, like mm. a million websites come and go a year. Wow. Um, but if you have, you, know, you see some, my, my website, my personal websites, right? I haven't touched them in many, many, <laughs> many years. Um, so they just sit there and they're $10 a month or something. You yeah. Know? Um, and so if I died tomorrow, they'd probably sit there for another many, many, many years. Yeah. Um, so there's that, but it doesn't really clutter. I mean, most of those things are very small because if you have big things, you got to pay for them. Yeah. Um, and the, the cloud has certainly made it much cheaper, much faster, much easier. And I'm sure you see that, you know, in incubators, but, but uh, you still got to kind of pay your way for all the stuff. So yeah. Oh my it God. Run, it doesn't run free. It's cheap. But it's not free. So I want to set the stage to where you are today first and just a year ago had a healthy race. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How much was it? Uh, we raised nine million U.S. Nine million U.S. Okay, so and your co-founder is also a foreigner. Uh, yeah, yeah, two Americans. Yeah, look at that, two yeah. Americans. You know, here success. So that's pretty big. I won't ask about the valuation, but it's very interesting uh, that that you guys were able to raise so much as foreigners in China. Okay, so was it Chinese money or American money? Uh, it's uh, Chinese. It was Chinese, Chinese money, yeah. right? Yeah. That uh, could have been easy. So that sets us up. I think a very, 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 very obvious thing to add to, mm-hmm. to talk about was, you know, just what was that like? How did you do that? How did you accomplish that as a couple of foreigners oh, um, doing Internet in China and able to raise yeah. Chinese money from Chinese investors? How in the hell did you do that? Yeah. Well, uh, actually, my wife. Most of it. So she's uh, good uh, responsible so for a lot of this actually. Oh good. So she's been with us, uh, so she's a sales uh, queen okay. among, uh, among other things. But uh, above all else, so you know, selling the company to investors is, is a big piece of that. So she's Chinese, so she's from Shanghai. So she that's really her doing, and we were out fundraising and so on. Obviously, she was handling more of the Chinese side. And, you know, you're out, you meet lots of people every day, connections. You think one guy is going to work and it doesn't, but pass you on to somebody else and else mm-hmm. and else. And finally, you have the right folks that are interested uh, at, a, at a good valuation, too. So really, a testimony to her work. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And we were supporting that, of course. Wow. Uh, so she's the president of the company and uh, very heavily involved. She's running sales and a lot of stuff. So yeah. um, really co-founder. In and that, what in was that, in the that fact sense. that you so, and... My partner's name is James. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 James. James. I forgot. And he's back. He's... Yeah, he's back in the States most of the time now. Yeah, yeah, doing work over there. But there was no issue with you guys being American? That didn't cause problems? Uh, I wouldn't say it caused problems. I mean, there's like any sort of international companies here, there's pros and cons of, of all of that. You know, so there's certainly uh, for what we do, and we don't, you know, because we're not really an internet company in that sense. We're much more infrastructure and, yeah, and okay. technology than we yeah. are, you know, running games or newspapers and things. So... We're much more in the back end, not unlike you Support, know, tech yeah. companies. Yeah, so so not really the sort of these super sensitive sort of frontline things. Uh, and so when we bring a lot of technology and knowledge and and really help improve the Chinese internet, that's our job. Really, mm-hmm. is make it more reliable, make it faster, make it more secure. You know, and, and as you mentioned, play by the rules. We very much to make sure people play by the rules. Yes, and registration, all the things that you need to be to be operational here. So we're very much big proponents of that, and we make sure that that all happens. And then we have partners everywhere for the servers and the various things. So. Um, yeah, so I would say being foreigner is not so much an issue as much as uh, there's a whole bunch of when you're taking renminbi versus U.S. dollars, the the legal and structures and future IPOs and this type of stuff gets very, extremely, uh, very complex. Mm. And, uh, and what would you say was was different? And you know, I know that you still must have been you know a pretty big part of of everything that went down. Sure. sure. Um, difference differences between trying to deal with and negotiate with 
with local investors versus foreign? I mean, well, actually, our, our investors are really great, and so I'm not sure they're that representative of okay. the broader community. And it really varies. Our investors also are, are but but local in the sense of not really sort of uh, big brand name VCs. They're um, more local VCs, but also heavily working in this area. So okay. it's different if you go into sort of the Sequoias and sort of the you know the Chinese branch of a of yeah. an American firm is, is one type of that, right? Versus a more local thing, versus state-owned, versus mm-hmm. all, you know all kinds. It's really diverse here, way more than, than the states. So it's it's just every type of thing, right? And and uh, high, high net worth people. So I think so. It's different. I don't know. It's it's well. Um, I think I was talking to uh, you know a foreigner who's here, runs web marketing, analytics, big data, uh, security, technology company out of Beijing. And he went down to the valley, ended up having a great, successful uh, fundraising run and came back. And, you know, Silicon Valley was in Google, you know, vetted their software, gave him five stars, you know, the whole thing. You know, I mean, they had they had everybody they had the, the, the like Apple's legal team, like, you know, uh, take control and, and protect everything and, and all this kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, what happened was they all said we're totally in for up to half or more. But you need to find a Chinese lead. And the reason they demanded a Chinese lead was for simply the vetting process. Um, You know, they just, none of them from there felt like they could properly vet a company here. Right. Well, that makes sense. Sometimes we definitely saw this. If you go to the Valley, and and I I came from the Valley, right? And so if you go to the Valley and and try to raise money there, they're all like, well, go talk to our Chinese operation because you're in China, right? Or go talk to Chinese VCs. Talk to Chinese VCs, they're like, well, you're kind of international, foreign, global, you should go talk to the Valley, right? Yeah. And you're very much Fun. stuck in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and there's just yeah. not a lot of investors there. And uh, <laughs> so that, that's what was a real problem. And, and yeah, it remains that, a challenge, I think. And, and there was definitely a belief, I think, or, you know, through the, the Chinese investment community that uh, while foreigners may bring technology, a lot of things, they really can't lead and run companies in China, you know, for the obvious language, culture, yeah. you know, way yeah. of doing business yeah, type, yeah, yeah. type of thing. I think that defers a little bit on what industry you're in. You know, the more obviously government, you know, high end and high touch groups. You know, as I've been saying, we're more B two B back end. So I think this this varies a little bit. But there's definitely that belief. Also, I think you see uh, the Chinese investors, especially last year, very focused on the IPO markets. Mm. I mean, all investors are here probably more than others, especially when people are doing you know hundred times yeah. uh, revenue or hundred times profit or no profit. That's changed somewhat, I think, now mm. because the IPO market's more is closed, basically, and the yeah. government regulation issues didn't didn't pan out. So it's much more complex than yeah. it was a year ago, mm-hmm. and, and things. So it's a it's a dynamic, interesting, and lots of lots of legal bills. Yeah. What would you say is changing to affect the idea now? Do you think we're heading in a direction that you that foreign CEOs running companies, foreign teams are going to be more accepted? That we're not going to have people being forced into uh, you know, finding the, the the Chinese lead like you guys did. Are things moving in that direction right now, or, or are we still all? Are we always going to have that? I think you're always going to have that. I mean, I think it de- depends a little bit on who's driving it. In last year, year before, very, uh, very a lot of people coming into the market, mm-hmm. into money market, you know, and a lot of just all kinds of like first time money managers, first time investors, very focused on local, very focused on IPO, relatively short term focused, mm-hmm. like can you IPO next year? How about two years? Mm-hmm. Uh, still pretty common. Um, so it's not clear. I think it depends on, on the, the broad professionalism of that market. That has some effect. But I, no, I don't think you're going to see mm. a, a, uh, a giant move towards lots of foreign executives and, and CEOs. I think it's, yeah. it's, is it going to move further away from that? I don't know. It, it's pretty far from that now. So you kind of had, you had the, uh, the, the hidden um, 
uh, you, well, not the hidden, your president mm-hmm. of your company was, yeah. was, was your connection to that, right? Correct. Yeah. And, and we wish, you know, that's what the challenge because everybody needs sort of senior Chinese leadership and it's hard to find. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, um, unless you marry it, unless you marry it, I guess. Yes. And so, uh, uh, we'd like to have more, but that's an active challenge for us is finding enough, you know, senior Chinese and, and foreign talent to, to run things. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, that's a great question. And, and, you know, let's, um, I think we maybe let's just jump to break right now yep. and come back and ask about the search for, for great foreign leadership. You know, we had Justin Mallon on from, from, uh, uh Sequoia technologies before. Yeah, that'd be um, great. I think he obviously leverages his wife as well. He, he uh, complains about it all the time. <laughs> no. yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I mean, yes, and we all know each other cause you know, uh, you know, and Steve uh, and James even have been, um, Aaron, right? James yeah, Aaron, I have uh, yeah, been, uh, mentors with China accelerator for longer than I think I've been here. Um, I think when I came on board, I wow. was introduced. Uh, yeah, yeah, they've been around for a while. Cyril hooked these guys up no long way. before I came in. Before and found them. Was, yeah, was in Dalian. That's right, in Dalian. So anyway, we'll come back and talk about that uh, right after the break. Hey, everyone. We want to give a shout out to our sponsors. China Accelerator is the number one accelerator in the East. They are a mentorship-driven program that takes your ideas from all over the world and helps you make them successful in China. At the same time, we take great ideas from inside China and help them grow all over the world. If you want to find out more, please visit www.chinaaccelerator.com and batch 10 applications are going to be open soon, so it's a really good opportunity to get in there. We also want to thank our other sponsor, People Squared. Uh, People Squared is the largest and best co-working space across China. They've got eight or nine spaces in Shanghai. They've got spaces up in Beijing. They've got spaces down in Shenzhen. Uh, they really are the best community of people to be dealing with here. So if you have a startup and you're coming to China, People Squared is your number one choice. And we'd also like to thank our syndication partner, TechNode. They are the number one source for news and information about the startup ecosystem, what's going on inside of China. They also work with TechCrunch and helped publish and syndicate that. So we're really happy to have them on as a syndication partner. You can find out more at technode.com. Okay, everybody, we're back here with Steve. And uh, as I alluded to before the break, I do want to talk a little bit about the uh, what you mentioned about senior local executives, um, finding them, the importance of of having good senior local leadership. You know, why yeah, is, why is that important here? Yeah, I mean, it's huge. Well, because it's important to have leadership. Of any time, leadership any, anywhere, right? Yes, yeah. So, yeah. And and it's a, a shortage, right? A shortage here. You know, everybody thinks China is full of people. It kind of, it's got to be, you know, Certainly. swarming with people of all types. Every factory just stuff with them, right? Uh, but, it's, but the reality is, the labor, <laughs> there's a labor shortage almost everything, including factories, but also yes. anything, even to make coffee at Starbucks. There's not enough people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, wow. of course, you go more experienced uh, roles. You know, people that have 20 years of experience. You know, 20 years ago, there wasn't all that much going on. Yeah, divide by 20, then divide by 20. Well, again. not only that, just yeah. 20 years ago, there yeah. wasn't a lot of economic activity in a lot of these areas, right? right. And, and tech and industry and so on. So um, there's just not a lot of experienced people in really any industry. And then uh, now it's all growing really fast. So you just, you can't keep up. So yeah, people at all levels is a huge challenge and uh, certainly leadership and recruiting and people are very expensive, um, headhunters, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of, it's really very industry specific still more than I think the West in terms of where people come from. Do they come from traditional industries, do they come from government, do they come from government-owned industries, do they come mm. from, you know, startups mm-hmm. and tech, mm-hmm. do they come from foreign companies, you know, mm-hmm. people, we hire people from IBM or Dell or whatever, they have a profile that's quite a bit different if they come from a state-owned data center. Like an like experience or work-based Just everything, yeah, everything, just yeah. Personality. Every, and then, well, um, maybe personality, of course, if you're coming, same in the U.S. If you, or Canada, if you come from, you know, the government mm-hmm. versus some startup, it's mm-hmm. different people work in those kind of places, but also 
different practices, particularly in sales. I mean, you know, sales here has a colorful background and history and how things were sold in a lot of ways, to different industries totally. that, that our industry is totally different than yeah. some of these more traditional ones where relationships and other things are very important, really not as much in our area. So yeah, so you look at really careful where someone comes from, even when they have a great resume, you know, and it's the same in the West to some extent. You don't hire a, you know, a GE Fortune 20 guy to be your third person in a startup. It just doesn't work. Mm. Um, same thing here. You just got to really be careful of that. Uh, and then, you know, at the lower ends, it's, it's also very difficult because of, you know, resumes aren't that helpful in a lot of places. They're all kind of generic and yeah. all these young people. And so it's, it's, it's interesting because every, every different generation, every different industry, every different role is, is uh, different. The same but different. We talk a lot about um, but something that I think would be different from the West to, to here is, is the rate of turnover, um, you know, even just generally. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty it's, crazy. Uh, it's a high-velocity environment here. I think you have to really separate out the types of turnover. Yeah, so we've got about 150 people now. We've probably hired, I haven't looked recently, but probably in our seven or eight years, we've probably hired, including interns, uh, which is a lot, uh, probably six or 700 people. So you've got to separate sort of voluntary <laughs> and involuntary. But I don't consider our turnover high. In fact, last year, people talk about you know, how many people do you lose that you didn't want to lose. That's the key number. Yes. Is, yeah, so in a year, what percentage of workforce that you didn't want to leave you know, left, right? And for us, that's really low. Okay. Um, a few people, mm-hmm. really. And then there's those that you wanted to leave in the sense of you would tend to hire a block of folks, typically engineering and, and more mainline you know, line folks. You know, especially if they're very young, and of course you're evaluating which ones, which ones are suitable for you, you're suitable for them. So turnover there can be higher, certainly. And, uh, Do you hire more just knowing that? Would you hire uh, yeah, 200 yeah. and hope that 100 stays? <laughs> no, no, but you'll hire. Yeah, you're planning. You have, yeah, you, yeah. you have that. But you'll hire uh, you know, a block of, uh, especially now you can afford more. You know, you'll mm-hmm. hire um, you know, maybe a handful of people and then try to sequence them to start together in, in, a, in a role where you need a lot of people. Yeah. You can't do that for VPs. But at a, at a junior, we have a lot of engineering teams, for example, and programmers mm-hmm. and so on. Yeah, you're going to hire, you try to do the best you can, but if you, if you need 20 people over time, you'll hire in blocks of five and, and see who, who is the right, most suitable thing and, mm-hmm. and yeah. what's suitable for them. You know? and, so. and in keeping people, what is the most important element that you guys employ? Is it uh, fair wages or, or hiring and paying more? Yeah, can we or, say locals? Or let's talk time? about, yeah, yeah, about locals. Yeah, because like, we're 25% foreigner. So, uh, yeah. and so we have a lot of experience of all the way, like 15 countries. Yeah, what do you think is the, so, the key point that you guys offer? That I think people? it's a whole bunch of things. Obviously, we, we're able now to pay better than we used to and salaries have gone up probably double in the last few years. So that uh, so we do pay. I don't know if we pay above market. We probably don't in some cases, unless something very specific. But it's really, I think, the most important thing is good managers and good mm. management uh, of them and this relationship of your, with your manager is very important. Growth opportunities and careers. So we have massive training operations. We have a lot of training libraries. We have a training team actually, and we have hundreds of training classes internally for you know sales and admin, and we have a new three course training thing going wow. on. Wow! Answer the phone. Um, wow. Because you know, people here have never used phones, actually, in a lot of cases. Yeah. And don't know how to use hold buttons. And never work in mm-hmm. offices if they're 22 years old. No, well, yeah. I, I, I totally a, agree. They have, a, they have a mobile phone. Americans don't know how to use a hold button either, right? Yeah, yeah. So you have to teach them all this kind of stuff if they're handling support calls. But we have, we have hundreds of those. And so we really focus. Uh, we have unlimited book budgets and sort of unlimited training budgets for going taking things. Sometimes it's hard to get people interested because people come from a, often a school system where they I'm here now, train me. Yeah. You know, well, here's some books. And what do you want for books? I'm not sure. Train me kind of, you know, <laughs> they want the employer to drive it more than they want to self, used to self-driving that. Yeah. So that, that's a challenge. But uh, yeah, it's all those things. Obviously, paying well, environment. I mean, our mm-hmm. office is nicer than it used to be. And we have, uh, we've expanded. So we have mm. uh, the new space is, is decent. Uh, so it's all those things. I think there's no magic secret mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. rather than all the usual things you'd expect. And we had talked a little bit about cost because uh, you have a lot of engineers. We do, yes. So let's just talk about the local engineer versus the foreign engineer as far as skill and pay, or, you know, and, and is it 
hard to find, easy to attract? Is it you can you can you lock these guys down? What are we paying? So them? we have to separate for us. We have to separate. Uh, we're an operations company, so we have mostly an IT operation, mm-hmm. which is different than developers and programmers. Okay, which most internet companies would be hiring a lot more of. Is it support or is it actual creation or what different things? So our IT operations are really well design, build, architect, operate, security, performance, all of that. So sort of world class IT though operations. Separate from our development teams that build the products and, and uh, that kind of thing, websites and so on. So you have to separate those because even in the U.S. they're completely really separate markets, except for the sort of new DevOps, which combines them. But So they're, they're different markets. Um, in China recently, because of all the funded companies and, and people raising crazy amounts of money to build things like SaaS products and other things, the price of, of developers has gone through the roof. Uh, practically really? Silicon Valley prices uh, in Beijing especially. Because you know, if you raise... 20, 50, 100 million US, and you need to launch your product this year, mm-hmm. you'll pay anything yeah. for the yeah. guys who can do that work. And there aren't a lot of guys who can do that work. So if you have to pay them you know, a million RMB a year, you know, that's okay. Big signing bonuses, and you've know, you got to get people on board. That makes it tough for people like us, other people, to hire the same people because those prices have really gone up. On the operation side, it's not as bad, but prices are rising. Everybody's hiring a lot of people, there's not enough talent. Uh, we've gone to the place where a few years ago and up until really last year, I would say foreigners were more expensive than Chinese in, in virtually all roles. Yes, for sure. Um, for us, that has inverted for sure. Yes. Is that we have, I did an analysis recently, we have no role for which there are multiple players and Chinese and foreign kind of working on the same team where the Chinese are now less expensive. Yeah. And in fact, when you, especially when you mention benefits, because the Chinese have much more expensive benefits. Totally. When you include housing and these things that are in there, I mean, it's it's like 42%. 44 in Shanghai, 42 in Shanghai. Just crazy. Up to, up yeah. to 17,000. So um, when you add all that in, it can be substantially higher than, than international. Not only a higher and, salary. And higher benefits. And so... Can't you just put the word out into the West? Yeah. We run ads on Craigslist in 10, 20, 30 global cities <laughs> wow. all the time. <laughs> the remote um, global office of developers. That's well, what we need. We've done Everybody some of that. needs that. But we run ads all the time, San Francisco, L.A., Poland. Toronto, Vancouver. Poland. Uh, we have a Polish guy coming. I, I nice. India. We have you know 15 countries. Poland, over Ukraine. That's where you those devs. You want to hunt? Yeah. Yeah. Those yeah. devs are incredible. They got nothing over there. Moscow. It's, um, it's all. They're not business people. But Estonia. Yeah, yeah. 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 You hit them. Yeah. Well, yeah. Estonia. Yeah. So uh, pull them out of Skype. But so it's a mix because we also have you know international customers and Chinese customers. So you can't just hire all foreigners or all Chinese either. Yeah. So for many reasons, and so mm. you get the whole teams to mix together, and you need you need mix everything generally. Um, on the engineering side, the, 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 there are very few junior foreigners. I mean, it doesn't make any sense, but you know, many of the senior, most senior people are foreign. Um, but that's starting to change. We're getting more, more senior Chinese talent. Um, but it's hard to find and expensive. So you have to balance that and you try to find, you grow what you can. We have a lot of junior people who are really promising. So you, of course, push them as much as you can, train yeah. them, everything. Um, yeah. But they're a little bit little bit uh, needle in a haystack, and so it's tough to find. Yeah. Is it, uh, okay, let me, yes, needle in a haystack to to find. Um, but what about actually the recognizing? This is this is one of the things that I actually struggled with uh, in, you know, with all the people that I've hired or worked with or managed, whereas... Um, it was just hard to notice them. Like, yes. You mean they, what's so the company? They're already few and far between. And then they are, they look the same as everybody else in a way. Like they, they seem to look and act and almost work. It was, it was almost like I would trip over something unique or awesome about them before I realized they were different. Do you mean in the interview process or after you've already hired? After. Oh, after. That was a, just, I don't, well, it, I mean, obviously in the interview process, it was hard. Like I really struggled to find good questions or good, yes, you know. That's, that's um, a huge problem. And things, now we run tests. We do lots of things. Um, we have more experienced managers now, so I think it's better. 
uh, on technical side, but we're not really. Do hiring. you let the Chinese uh, managers hire Chinese people? Or oh yeah, do you sure. still. I mean, uh, no, I don't get involved. I'm rarely involved in hiring. But uh, um, <laughs> he's on the golf course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Just you know, work and on so uh, no, no, it's definitely frontline managers and you know, it's team approach and this peer hiring and all that stuff. But um, uh, yeah, it's a real challenge. I mean, you know, and so we do technical, but we're not really hiring for technical talent in many, if not most cases. It's it's very much uh, fit. culture, values, fit, yeah. thinking, learning, self-drive, mm. you know, these sort of things, right? It's rarely ever, with, with a few people, you have technical issues later. Yeah. It's just not really for the job. Um, our engineering jobs are pretty intense. It's like working in ER if you're sort of frontline operations support. And, not, and ER is not for everybody, right? Yeah. And uh, You're putting so out a fires people, a lot, right? Very I mean, much. And yeah. it's high velocity and there's 20 things going. Customers you're yelling at you. Yeah, and juggle a lot of balls, switch, interrupt. So some people um, globally, you know, they don't. They want to work on one thing for a week. We get about fifteen minutes, and so you, know, <laughs> you, you, you sort of have to be that type of person. But how do you test that interview? Yeah, like someone who's twenty-two years old just graduating. True, they have no idea. Air trade. This is where VR, air traffic control. Yeah, we're very much. Like just, <laughs> we, we actually have air traffic controllers <laughs> in the company uh, that actually, ah. that actually, in the sense that manage all the work and divide, and we run it on a very much minute, five minute cadence of this wow. stuff. Wow. Yeah. And so that's I like for, that stuff. That's it's great that's yeah, for like me, cool. but it's not for everybody, right? Yeah. And but it's very hard to interview for. So you got to see. Sure. Um, and we actually have a very aggressive, you know, because you have the probation periods here. So you have a very structured program for evaluating mm-hmm. people after they hired. That's true. And we follow people individually, of course, and train them and group them and and uh, yeah. you know, help mm-hmm. them the best we can. They don't all work out, and and that's how it works. I love that that line. I know you. Okay, I'm going to turn this over to you for a second. Yeah, no saying, but the the old adage where HR comes and says, you know, like listen, like or, you know, we're spending all this money on on these these people that we're hiring to train them, but you know, what if they leave? And then you know, the executive just says, well, what if we don't spend money on them and they stay? <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, I love that. It's <laughs> yeah, so that's, good. That's true. Okay, we have a lot of that. So. Uh, I kind of wanted to just uh, to turn the conversation to talk more about your your space mm-hmm. uh, and what you do right now and how that's transformed and if you would even suggest other startups or if you see it evolving in a certain way that you can kind of share. Sure. I mean, so, you know, we're China's first actual uh, cloud infrastructure company. We started that back in 2008, similar to Amazon and those guys. We don't actually mm-hmm. do that anymore. We only, really? we only did it because nobody else was doing it and we wanted to do it to, to sell our main service. Yeah. And now, you know, our big partners are Amazon and AliCloud and all these guys. So they provide that sort of infrastructure capital. You know, it's very capital yeah. intensive and, and low margin. And so we're, we're really on top of that. So that's changed a lot. We used to do physical servers, all that stuff. And now it's much more um, in the cloud, you might say. Yeah. Uh, which is great because it's much more virtual. We don't have to plug in cables and chase things and mm-hmm. all that. It's much mm-hmm. cheaper. So, so we're still very much in the IT services area, which I think is a huge market for here. I mean, enterprise software is still very small in China. Um, B2B mm. services are still very small, especially online. Chinese are not used to buying services. Yeah, used that's to hard. Yeah. But that's changed. Yeah. Used to be you couldn't sell this stuff at all. And now people are really starting to realize the value of you know, service of all types. Yeah, um, infrastructure as a service. Infrastructure as a service, but also just services. Mm. Uh, because yeah. that's more of a, just a um, uh, infrastructure you need. But this yeah. is every kind of service, including consulting, all this kind of stuff to make stuff better, bigger, faster. Mm-hmm. So I think there's still a huge market. You still see a lot of, uh, you still don't see a lot of the, Western, uh, those types of services here, whether it's IT stuff, security, you're starting to see some, but I think yeah, there's yeah. still a huge, a lot of that stuff is still not here. Marketing, I, I don't see any, you know, marketing in China is still very, if it's one area that, that China, I think internet areas lag way, way, way behind the West and the US is marketing, and yeah. sort of B2B marketing, content marketing. Totally. This is what's yeah. really taken off in the West mm-hmm. with companies like you know, Marketo and these guys are all billion dollar companies oh, yeah. just yeah. providing tools for that. Spot. None of these guys even exist. Here. There's not a one, there's nothing. You're, you're right. right. And you hmm. can't, and you try to interview and talk to people about this. It's re- unbelievably rudimentary. 
and people can't even talk about it. They just don't know anything about it, right? And well, so, isn't isn't the space moving so fast right now that you kind of need a more mature market that's solidified on on its on its practices to build that? Or, well, or I, don't, I don't know. I mean, because it's nice thing is you still need it for the big tools and stuff, but you still can be pushing out content and white papers and you know content heavy stuff and drip feeding and, and all the drip feeding type stuff is just non-existent. Uh, people are still, hey, I'm mm, on stage, let really? me sell to you. You know, why do these podcasts? I can just sell to you, right? Why, why, yeah. why build visibility and branding? We should do that. So yeah, we, <laughs> we don't Great do that idea. yet. We don't sell to all you people that are listening in yeah. yet. So <laughs> try still, that. Buy the Todd and Ryan t-shirts tomorrow <laughs> on our store. Because it doesn't sell exactly, it it's not that, right? They want to do that. And it doesn't uh-huh. sell exactly tomorrow and they can't connect all these sort of bigger, you know, longer term processes. And there's a huge opportunity here. Mm in those uh, tools and markets and people and help, help that kind of stuff. And all that kind of you know, services to marketing, to IT, to infrastructure, to security. Uh, I think there's a huge opportunity to bring things from the West. Um, in hardcore tech, there's some good stuff here. Is, but, but. is that an opportunity or is there already a chokehold on that market because of Alibat, uh, basically? No, I don't, I don't think so. Um, I, think I do the reverse, Alibaba Tencent. The, the, yeah. the reverse, <laughs> yeah, you know... Um, I have um, to do that for the yeah, point of so like yeah. you say, We say bats. So by you, as yeah, I mean, the, the real question there for anything on that of, of, of uh, marketing type stuff and so yeah. on is, is Tencent is WeChat, uh-huh. right? Which is, you know, I'm sure you talked about a lot. Yeah. It changes a lot and it's incredibly powerful. Mm. We are right at the forefront of using that. Uh, we have a whole team that manages. We have teams of teams managing WeChat and agencies <laughs> and push stuff out. And we're just launching wow. new QR code stuff today. Uh, unbelievably oh, nice. powerful stuff that doesn't even begin to exist in the West. Wow. That's yeah. where yeah, you know, yeah, the West yeah. has got nothing like that, no. which is way too bad. That's something that needs to be. And Tencent's not succeeding in doing and getting it out there. So the Americans need to build that kind of stuff for sure. Uh, but the other way around, mm. uh, so you have to work with that. But other than that, um, I th- and no, I don't think they have a hotel. And, and you know, Baidu, realistically, their advertising, other platforms are, are not. Mm-hmm. Not where they ought to be. So there is opportunity. Yeah, there's huge opportunity. This, 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 this is how, golden. But yeah, I think there's huge opportunity still in marketing and selling and sales systems and all that kind of stuff because right. um, it's just very it's just starting. And B two B is just starting. Enterprise is just starting. Huge markets here. Okay, last thing. We're we're getting right close to the end. Uh, I just like some some open ended uh, advice. I think you know from the fact where you guys started. You know, and we're we're talking to an audience of people that are probably either an entrepreneur or startups looking to come to China, enter China with their product, come to China, build a product, or are already in China but aren't entrepreneurs yet but are thinking about moving into entrepreneurship because they're here. Something, you know, that you went through when you guys started things up, you know, a mistake, you know, the biggest mistake you made that you wish you hadn't or that could have been avoided. Anything about kind of getting off the ground. I'm just curious. I mean, there had to have been some challenges unless you guys had smooth sailing from day one. But, you know, something that you can pass along. Yeah, I think it's different if you're if you're thinking about starting something or, or coming and bringing something here. It people, is. That, people that are bringing something here tend to be larger, more established. Mm-hmm. The big mistake they make, the coming here people is not, partner maybe is the wrong word, but not having the right resources of, of types of people on the ground. You see, so many people come in, they know a guy you know, who's going to help them come in, they find the first thing that's here, and they spend a bunch of money, and they really don't tap expertise of, of guys like you and people here who've been here many years and could give them a lot of advice. So the, mm-hmm. the biggest mm-hmm. word of advice is take advice. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And really listen to the people that have been on the ground and done stuff wow. in your area because it's amazing. Especially companies with, that are sizable or tens of millions, they think they know everything. Mm-hmm. They don't know mm-hmm. anything. And I've seen many companies just burn unbelievable amounts of money. If you're starting something new, it's different. I think it's hard as a foreigner to start something here and make it sizable. You know, the funding environment, other things are not 
really in your favor. No, not. Um, yeah. So you got to find these niches. You got to find partner. You got to bring in technology. You got to you got to find some way that works. Now, if you want to do something here that's just take advantage of low cost and be global and sort of app Annie and guys mm. like this and some of this, that's great. Or you can be global all at once out of here. That's pretty cool, especially if you can get the money. If you're going to come in and just do something for the Chinese in the Chinese market, having never been here and not barely on the ground, fresh off the boat, that's uh. really hard. It's still cool. And try to do it, and it's an exciting time. Yeah. Not as easy as it was perhaps before. Like, like if you need to take other people's advice, yeah. work with other people, partner, partner with Chinese, of course, but choose them carefully. Yes, um, which is part of the advice everybody's going to give you is, is really, really carefully understand. Yeah, don't know. trust. Really, just don't make. Don't. don't. I mean, <laughs> you have. Don't trust to, the first guy that walks up. Like, yeah, you, you would yeah, go to yeah. New York and suddenly jump in bed with a guy who walks up in the street and says, "Hey, I want to start a startup with you." But people will do that here. Yeah, and and that's unwise, right? It anywhere is. in the world. And, and the whole later thing of Chinese, you know, same bed, different dreams, you know, yeah. sort of same, yeah. which is very true for joint ventures, but also any kind of partnership. And, and just because they speak English and other things and look like they came back from the States, not necessarily mm. aligned with you. So you got to really careful with that. And that okay. That's really critical. Last question. What has made the relationship and, and the ability to build a company the most important aspect of the relationship you and James have? Critical in any sort of, you know, founder relationship like that is, is really, because there's always trust in these sort of things. But communicating and working on issues and problems earlier is better. You're married, essentially, right? Yes. And you're married more than you're married in many ways, yes. right? Because it's harder to be not married. And so it's just critical to... <laughs> so I'm a big fan of uh, sort of counseling and working through issues you have, and it's, mm -hmm. it's a, that's a real challenge. Yeah. Co-founder uh, counseling. Co-founder counseling, yeah. which I've been through actually many companies and times, and I'm a big fan of. Yeah. Um, and early. It's good, from, though. From the it, beginning, it's yeah. good, actually. It, you read it, The Hard Thing About Hard Things? Oh, yes. Yeah, so Ben yeah, Horowitz and Mark Andreessen. It doesn't even seem like they like each other, generally. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's like, they don't even, but they work well together because yeah. they constantly challenge each other and they're just, like, happy at the end of the day to get away from each other, but it's that right mix. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm a big fan of Ben's. Ben, yeah. He tells it like it is. He right? totally and does. He's really, uh, you know, which a lot of people aren't. And I think that that's yeah. a very important. You know, I listen, love listen, that Listen book. to Ben and guys like that yeah. because they, they tell you. That's what I was telling you on the flight back from San Francisco where I sat yeah. there for five hours just yeah, engrossed yeah, yeah. in that book while you were curled up. Yeah, that's a bit of my Chinese now too. So yeah. uh, we give it to our employees actually. Oh, it's good. Like yeah. Because uh, it just tells you what it's, it is. What it's like. Yeah. And, yeah. And, uh, they're never yeah. very much like us actually, same industry. So, so we should change the name of the podcast. The hard thing about hard things in China is really what we're trying I, to get to the bottom of. So yeah. and it becomes darker. Steve, thanks very much for coming on the show. That's great. So I guess you're probably generally always hiring always hiring yeah yes. so how do people look for you and get in touch and mm -hmm. uh you know throw resumes on the pile sure um our website of course chinanetcloud.com actually is a whole careers and hiring site awesome internationally we have a big linkedin presence okay. linkedin Good. actually is amazingly successful in china yeah and so yeah, uh, we spent a lot of uh, effort on that recently so mm -hmm. we have a big linkedin sort of thing everybody says that they've done a great yeah. job here so we've done uh, chinese we're investing a lot in linkedin actually and yep, recruiting yep. everything yep, so yep. Uh, linkedin is a great way to kind totally. of of course that's popular and our website and ChinaNetCloud.com. Find them on LinkedIn. Go to their website. If you want to come to China uh, and yeah. uh, you want to work for a really cool company, it's got a really cool space. Best city to live in, in China if you're kind of fresh off the yep. boat. Um, I think you're gonna, it's the, probably the easiest path sure. to entry into China. And then you can start to trickle off from there once you're a little more familiar. But anyway, Steve, thank you very much on the show. Steve, excellent. You're welcome. Ryan, thank you very much for being here. We missed Vivian today. Unfortunately, she uh, she had some other things to do, mm -hmm. so so we don't actually have her behind the mic. But, but still, she will thanks. be involved on the editing side, and thank you to David, who does all our post-production, and thank you to you, our listeners, uh, staying with us week after week as we put these things out there. So thank you very much, and we'll see you all next week. Mm -hmm.